Welcome to the e-commerce marketing society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Hello and welcome to episode eight. I can't believe we're here already. Thank you so much for your support so far. I love hearing from all of you and thank you for sharing when you're listening and yes, sliding into my DMs and giving me some encouragement. So I really appreciate it. So today's episode, we're talking about Facebook ads with the wonderful Joe Murphy, also known as the Ad Nomad. You may have seen Joe Murphy pop up in all those women's Facebook groups, sharing her wisdom, answering questions, and just generally wanting to help people feel better about their marketing, do better with their ads, and grow their business. So we chat about lots today. We chat about what to have in place before you start ads, what kind of ads are working, Facebook ad content in general, and also what's going down with the whole Applegate situation. And if you don't know what I mean by that, check the show notes and or Google and find out because if you are running Facebook ads, you need to know what's going on there. There is a bunch of really fantastic information. So get out your pen and paper or click the show notes and check more from Joe, She's an absolute legend and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Joe Murphy. Welcome to the Society. Thanks How for having you? me. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit tired. It's been a big week, but you know, all of the things, babies and also Apple and just all of, all of the things, but you know, oh we, sold, we sold you on. I'm feeling you and especially in Facebook ads world, it must be, yeah, a lot going on. And that's why I'm so stoked that you've spared your time to share with us. You already share so much of your time and wisdom with women in business all over Australia and the world, I feel. And our listeners, I think, would know your name because if you hang out with in Facebook groups like Like Minded Bitches Drinking Wine, people generally know exactly who you are. Yeah, I've had some sort of, like my friend who lives in Canada, she lives in Montreal. She was talking to a friend of hers who's an entrepreneur and she mentioned my name. She's like, oh, you mean that one, that Joe Murphy who's all the Facebook groups, the Facebook ads person? She's like, yeah. And and apparently this friend of hers was very impressed that Terry and I went to university together. So I get, uh, yeah, people popping up in all kinds of places. But I just think it's it's so important for people to be able to get good information and reliable information and also just um I feel like there's a lot of fear-based stuff happening like you know you have to do this you have to do that or otherwise your whole business is going to crash and I'm really not about that I think um offering people solid information also a little bit of reassurance that you know you don't have to be doing all of the things and there's no kind of there's no magic bullet that you're going to be completely screwed without kind of thing so sort of pushing back a little bit against that whole you know, your organic reach is dead, you must spend money. I mean, I wish that was true because what I do is pay traffic and if everybody in the world needed my services, that would be great. But um, but no, like, I, yeah, so it's just trying to push back, back, back against that fear-based marketing and also just, yeah, making sure people have solid advice is sort of where it's, what it's all about and where it all comes from. Yes, and that's why you are here and we get along so well because we ain't about selling services to business owners that don't need them. And mm-hmm. um, we probably say no more than we say yes, which is definitely a good thing. But um, if people don't know who you are, why don't you give us a little rundown of who you are, what you do and who you help? Okay, so I um, I used to be a university lecturer teaching um, film and media studies, and then um, I had to move up, um, or I had to move interstate um, for my ex partner's health, and you know I needed to. You know, there was no university with a decent film department up where we were, and even if there was, there probably wouldn't have been any vacancies. So needed to uh, find something I could do. So um, a lot of the work that I had done was about remakes and adaptation, audience studies, kind of how 
like a lot of my uh, research was around how do you sell people something they've already seen or they feel like they already know, kind of a lot of psychology type stuff. And so I thought, well, you know, I might be quite good at advertising. So um, so I went on to Gumtree and I looked for random jobs and I found one working for an agency, um, white labelling for an agency that worked with natural therapies providers. So started out doing that and then, from there, ended up doing an internship with Angela Ponsford, who's now at Tier 11, but she was um, Dotty Media back then, and I just kind of fell in love with paid traffic. Um, so I've been doing ads ever since. And then probably about, I want to say like a year and a half ago, um, decided that I wanted to focus on working with businesses that were eco-friendly and sustainable. Um, so by sustainable, I mean also like socially sustainable, not just environmentally sustainable. So made that shift and it's been really good. I was a bit worried that niching down would kind of eliminate my client base or I wouldn't be getting as many inquiries, but I've actually found the opposite. Um, I think people like, you know, that sort of sense of shared value. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, then I also do some work with Smart Marketer, which is Ezra Firestone and Molly Pittman's business as a community manager. So hanging out in some of their Facebook communities, just helping people find good resources, answering questions, and just, you know, making sure they have a great experience as they learn. So that's uh, that's me in a, in, a, in a nutshell or a seashell if you're mm-hmm. allergic to nuts. <laughs> Love it. And so you do hang out in some of the Facebook groups that small business owners or, you know, growing businesses as well um, you know, use as a resource to ask questions and connect with other businesses mm-hmm. and experts like yourself. So Tell me why you, because just out of curiosity, I mean, I did it too when I was building my business, um, answered a lot of questions and, you know, you're definitely well established now. Do you just love helping women? Is that what it's about? Um, well, I do have that teaching background and I do, like, I do enjoy teaching. I like seeing people. I think it's that moment of like when when you see people start to get it and you see them start to lose that anxiety of I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what steps to take next. And then again, as I said, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who are using fear and misinformation to try and sell their services. And I want, I feel like it works better for everybody if people are outsourcing from a place of feeling empowered and making it as a conscious business decision. So it's like, this is going to free up some brain space so I can focus on other things that are going to move the needle for my business. So I feel like if I can give people really good information, they feel empowered to DIY for as long as they want or need to. Then when they do outsource, they're going to be doing it from a much better place. They're going to have a much better experience. I guess I just, um, yeah, I just want people to feel good about what they're doing in business. I want them to feel good about their marketing. I want them to feel like, I mean, I, there's a lot of rhetoric out there around Facebook is against us. You know, the algorithm hates me. And I'm like, that's really not the case. Like it's um, mm-hmm. what the algorithm ultimately does is it elevates content that people like, that they're engaging with, that they find interesting. Um, so, you know, I feel like a lot of what I do is just encouraging people to have conversations and encouraging them to, to approach their marketing for a place of just having cool stuff to share rather than sort of falling into that panic mindset because I feel like that doesn't really serve them and it doesn't really serve their audience because you can always sort of tell when someone's posting from a place of I need you to comment on this I need you to like this I need you to engage with this versus hey here is a really cool thing if you want to talk to me about it here I am sort of thing so I love that. yeah I think I just want to change the way people think about marketing yeah and in turn allowing people just to kind of care less a little bit about it too like I I remember reading one of your answers to a question about what type of content works well on Facebook or maybe it was one of your posts and you Mm -hmm. were talking about it's just about what you're passionate about just start talking about what you do why you started Mm -hmm. um, why you love it and people lean into that you know they want to read more they want to click on it um, if it's authentic and it's coming from the heart yeah I mean it's I mean, essentially social media is more just, it's sort of like a mirror for the relationships that we have in the real world and the way we interact with each other. And, you know, if you meet somebody who like, they could be talking about like beetles or, you know, plants or whatever, but if they just, if they're just like lit up like a Christmas tree, having the time of their life and they're so excited about talking to you about this thing, 
you kind of can't help but be like, wow, that's so awesome that they're so passionate and you kind of become a little bit interested too. You're like, well, maybe this is really cool and I kind of just haven't seen it before because I don't see the world in the same way you do. So it's kind of just taking that. Yeah, I mean, I often say to people, like, just think about yourself as a human. Think about the relationships that you have, the conversations that you have. Think about what draws you in. Think about what pushes you away. And that sort of, like, I think people know a lot more than they think they do because we're on social as social media users too. Like we know what feels good and what feels crappy, but we sort of, when people, when it comes to their own business, people kind of lose sight of that. They lose sight of the fact that they use these platforms every day. And I mean, obviously your experience is not going to be, but you can sort of get a sense of, of what's going to work and what's not, or what's going to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like individual user experiences versus the masses, but you can sort of get a sense of what's going to feel shitty and what's going to feel okay. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. Should have asked that. Oh, yeah, go for it. I'm pretty sure someone Brilliant. else did that. <laughs> Brilliant. And I agree with that and I hear that a lot um, in terms of we know more about what's going to work than what we think we do. And I think that can also be mirrored about we know more about the thing that we're selling than the majority of people out there. So lean into that. Like if you yeah. sell organic skincare, mm-hmm. you are going to know a ton about organic skincare benefits and what to do and what you shouldn't do more than 99% of the population. Oh, totally. I think people need to feel confident about their own areas of expertise and passion. I think that, yeah, like everybody has, everybody is a nerd about something. Everybody (laughs) has something that they can share. Um, You know, and I feel like when people don't know what to post or they feel like, you know, I don't know, it's, it's again them coming from that place of I need to post the right thing when really it's just you need to have a conversation that's meaningful to you. Yes, and the right people will res- respond to that. It's not about Pretty getting much. all the people. It's getting the right people to go, oh, that sparked my interest. I want to know more from this person who clearly loves what they do and knows about what they do. Yeah, well, I did a bit of um, – so I went through a really interesting public lecture years and years ago about film trailers, um, and it was because this was part of what I was working on um, was the marketing of these films that I was studying. And they said that the purpose of a trailer or part of the purpose of a trailer is not just to draw on the people who are going to love the movie. It's to tell people who aren't going to like it that it's not for them because otherwise these people are going to go and see this thing. They're going to leave a bunch of crappy reviews and all of the things. And then less people are going to go and see it. They make less money. And I feel like um, people get worried when people unsubscribe or people unfollow or whatever. I mean, obviously you always want to be looking at that and just keeping an eye on, okay, am I, you know, posting stuff that's, that's just not, you know not working for people but at the same mm-hmm. time losing people is not a bad thing you know totally. like I think it's better to be your authentic self and post stuff that's you know meaningful and post stuff that's interesting and that's going to really help people mm-hmm. and if you you know and if you you know if that's not for somebody then that's fine they're not your person and you're yeah. people who are going to like what you do I mean there's people who you know don't really vibe with my whole tattooed hipster you know, straight to the point, I can be quite blunt. There's people who don't like that and there's people who don't um, vibe with that. They prefer people who are sort of more corporate, I guess, or they, you know, just different personality types, you know, and I think you're ultimately going to be much happier if you're doing the work to draw on people who, yeah, who draw on people who are the best fit for you and kind of just indicate to people who aren't going to vibe with you that, you know, that they should look for another space. I mean, not like push them away, but you get what I mean? Like, you know, Yes, you want to be thinking about, that's right, is your brand, is your message, is your advertising and marketing attracting the right people but also repelling the people that aren't right for you? Like I see, for example, Australian-made fashion, people, women posting about in the groups like, oh, I get trolled because my dresses are so expensive, what Mm -hmm. should I be saying? You know what? You don't want the people that are leaving nasty comments. So don't, don't put energy towards it. Yeah. So, shall we talk about your favourite, I'm assuming, your favourite topic, Facebook ads, because it is one of those things that stumps so many women. Mm-hmm. You can either love it or hate it. It can absolutely change your business or it can absolutely, you know, turn you a little bit batty trying to figure it out and making them work. So, mm-hmm. I guess at the moment everybody's talking about Facebook ads because of the whole Applegate situation. Mm-hmm. I touched on it a little bit in my 
um, one of my earlier podcasts. Given you are such an expert in the area, could you maybe talk to the point of, you know, what should small to medium businesses be thinking about with these changes coming down the line and what are the changes? So when it comes to anything to do with data and analytics, I always defer to my friend and my colleague at Smart Marketer, John Grimshaw. He has produced some amazing content around iOS 14. I can give you links for that so you can put them in the show notes. But he's done two episodes of the Smart Marketer podcast and he's written a really, really comprehensive blog post, which um, the sort of seeds of this were actually planted back in 2017. And he's kind of looked at how it's progressed up to now. Um, really comprehensive, really, really worth looking at. Um, he also goes over all of the steps that people need to take to try and get their attribution within Facebook um, as accurate as possible and still be able to feed um, Facebook, um, you know, some data about who's visiting your site and what they're doing on there. There's a few steps that people do need to take. Um, as of today, I know some people aren't able to run ads if they don't have two-factor authentication in place on their accounts. Um, people have been stonewalled from running any ads, so people need to get onto that. Um, they also need to verify their domains within Business Manager. Not that difficult to do. Um, Facebook has a few tutorials on this. Um, there's a few sort of practical steps people need to take, and I basically have just followed John's blueprint on, print on that because he's the analytics guy, and if he tells me to do a thing, I trust him on that. Um, I guess at this point, we don't, it's hard to know how some of this is going to play out because it is so new. Um, they reckon it's going to impact about 30% of traffic um, that we're sending from ads. There's going to be probably about 30% of people who would have the option of opting out of being tracked. But I guess the main thing I would say to people is just not to panic and that it's kind of just, pushing us to do stuff that we probably should have been doing already. So, I mean, we're, we're used to having all this very granular data in the ads manager. We're used to being able to see, I spent this much money, I got this much money back. And we're going to lose, a, potentially lose a little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say how much impact it's going to have, but we're going to lose some of that within the ads manager. So, we're going to need to look at other things. You know, for example, Shopify's analytics, what you're getting within Shopify, going to have to look at Google Analytics, have a look at, um, you know, say if you're using Klaviyo, whatever your email marketing system is, have a look at the analytics in there. Um, and just sort of, we're going to have to get better at taking a bird's eye view of our marketing and kind of looking at all of our marketing efforts on kind of a macro level as well as a micro level, which is something we really should have been doing all along, to be honest. Um, I do have people come to me and they're like, oh, I spent this much money and I only got these many sales in Facebook. And it's like, so, I mean, so for example, say I put a Facebook ad out on, you know, I put a Facebook ad out trying to sell something, you know, um, some product. And then the person goes to my website and they sign up for my email list because they thought that was interesting and they thought I might give them a discount or whatever. Two months later, someone mentioned something in conversation they then go to Google to look up my, because it sparked a memory of that thing that I was going to sell them. And they're like, oh yeah, I get emails from this person. I always scroll past them. So they go back into the email and they use the discount or whatever. Like purchase decisions are not as simple. I mean, sometimes they're as simple as I click on the ad, I buy the thing, but your Facebook ad might've been part, a very significant part of a purchase decision, but it may not have been tracked if that makes sense. So, yes. and this especially yes. becomes, um, you know, more of an issue as you scale up and as you start to rely on different traffic channels. So, I mean, we do know that UTM is still going to be working um, with these changes or best advices that it is. Um, so, you know, I definitely encourage people if they don't have Google Analytics, they need Google Analytics. They need to be looking in the back end of Shopify. They need to be looking at the bigger picture of everything that's happening with their marketing, aggregating that data and trying to figure out the bigger picture of what's going on. I think that's sort of, and I definitely fall into this trap too, of just looking at the data within the ads manager. And look, there is some data in the ads manager, which is very useful just on its own. Um, for example, click-through rates, CPM, things like that. But I think from here forward especially, and we really should have been doing this for a long time if we weren't already, is just looking at, yeah, how things are working much more broadly. Um, you know, there was a really interesting um, episode of Freakonomics where they looked at television advertising 
And obviously it's kind of hard to measure ROI from that unless, um, you know, and this is another thing people can do to sort of help confirm attribution with Facebook, unless you sort of use a special code or send people to a specific landing page that is only from that ad. But, um, you know, the it's sort of hard to measure who bought because they saw you on TV unless you actually ask them or they have the opportunity to tell you. But, you know, some companies when they switched their television advertising off didn't see a difference and some did, you know, so... It's yeah, like it, I think it's just a case of big, more big picture thinking, um, which is so important. And as you say, it's things that we should have been doing long before. And I I find that a lot that um, business owners are focused on Facebook ads and they haven't even looked at their Shopify analytics mm-hmm. or they don't have Google Analytics set up. And it's like, yeah, let's wind back a little bit. Let's look at the bigger picture. E commerce having a successful e-commerce business business doesn't necessarily equal Mm -hmm. having a successful Facebook ad strategy. Like they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, um, so I've got a few clients who they sell in brick and mortar stores as well. They do wholesale. Um, And while we may not necessarily like they, they actually have seen a massive uptick in the amount of orders that they're getting from their wholesalers, even though we can't track that within the ads manager. But a presumption and based on what they're telling us is those that people are coming into those stores, into the wholesalers stores to buy because they saw the product on the Facebook ad. Yes. Yeah. So and it's, it's, yeah. it's like I guess this is why um having a, a big picture view of your sales funnel mm-hmm. is going to help you. So it's not all just about um your business relying on Facebook ads, it's about the how they discover you, you know, maybe chatting to a friend. They may have um, you know, Googled and clicked on a, a blog post and how they all work together to bring that customer in from not knowing about you right through to purchasing from you. And that doesn't have to have to all rely on Facebook ads, I guess is the message I'm yeah. I'm trying to get across. I think they're a very important part of the puzzle, a very important piece of the puzzle. I mean, the number of people you have access to, you know, within an app that they use all day, every day, or a lot of people do. Yeah. But I think more legs under the table and just checking all of your different sources for analytics, putting all of those together to create a sort of broader picture of what's going on um Mm -hmm. it's going to be quite important I mean there was a you know there was a time with Facebook ads where we didn't have all of the data that we're used to having now and people were using things like codes or a landing page that is only you know attached to your Facebook ads and things like that to do that tracking and do that optimization so it's just yeah I guess I would just say to people like don't panic but you are going to have to change the way that you think about advertising and how it works for your business yeah. And I guess it's like, you know, so throughout the year, so many changes happen with Facebook and Instagram oh, yeah. and everything that we use. This is just another one of those changes. And it's just another part of being a business owner. Totally. Don't panic. Tick the boxes that you need to do. Focus on the bigger picture and keep on trucking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, adaptability is such an important skill mm. when it comes to Facebook ads. I mean, when it comes to business in general, there's so many things that you just can't anticipate. I mean, obviously, the state of the world right now is not something oh, that, any, know, yeah. you know, so, and people have had to pivot and people have had to change. And I mean, you know, things like this do come up all the time. Like, for example, you know, when they brought in campaign budget optimization, you know, that was another big change that everyone had to adapt to when they redesigned the ads manager. Um, you know, all these things that we just kind of have to find ways to do diff- things differently, find ways to do things better, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's an opportunity. Yes, that's right. That's right. Every change is an opportunity to figure out how to do it better. That's right. Mm-hmm. So if you were just at the start of your Facebook ad journey, what are some of the things that you think are most important to have in place before an e-commerce business um, owner starts looking at Facebook ads? Um, So you do want some proof of concepts, like you want to know that your product is going to work. You want to know that, you know, there's people like, um, I mean, paid traffic is really an amplification strategy. It's if something is not working, sending more traffic to it through Facebook ads is not going to make that better. You know, you need to make sure that your cart process is really easy to go through. You need to make sure that your product descriptions, you know, really um, display the ownership benefit. 
Um, your organic social has a very significant um, impact on the cost of running your ads, on just delivering the ads. So if you, and then also, um, you know, people will often click out from a Facebook ad to look at someone's organic social profiles and just see if they're actually legit and if that business is still running or whatever. Um, so I would definitely spend some time on organic um, and then just, yeah, trying to drive as much organic traffic as you possibly can. So you have a bit of an idea of how people behave once they hit your website. You know if people are actually going to buy the thing before you start throwing money at it. I mean, if, yes. you have the, if you have the budget where you'd be willing to spend some money on just testing and just saying, okay, I just want to drive a whole lot of traffic to the site just to see what they do. So I've got that data and I can use that data and optimize based off that, sure. Um, but if you've got not a lot of budget, I would definitely be focusing on, on organic Um my biggest pet peeve is when people say organic reach is dead and you have to pay to play. That's absolutely not true. Um, I mean, I've audited at this point literally thousands of Facebook and Instagram organic social accounts and 99.99999% of the time when someone's not getting any reach or engagement, it's a, it's a content problem. It's not that the algorithm hates them. It's not that organic reach is dead. It's that their content is not working for them. So that's what I would focus on is just producing really great organic content, getting some, you know, traffic to your website that way, um, making sure that everything works and then start. Mm -hmm. I, I always advocate starting low and slow, you know, start with a small mm -hmm. budget, just figure it. I, I actually won't take on clients who haven't had a go at running their own ads because I feel like it's so important for business owners to understand how it works, even just a little bit, just to have a bit of an idea of what it's like in there and how, you know, what all the different dials and things mean. So yeah, yes. so I would start low and slow, just test things out, put up, you know, five bucks on something and just see what happens, see how these things work, do some research, have a play. Um, I definitely advocate, yeah, starting with a low budget and just seeing what happens and just having a go um, is definitely something yeah. I would look into, but just, I guess the main thing is just having your foundations right. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing. I see a lot of people throwing money into Facebook ads and they're just like, my ads aren't working. I'm like, yeah, but the problem is not actually your ads. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I hear you. That's what I spend most of my days doing is the foundations. And I know what I kind of refer to foundations, but from a Facebook ads expert um, point of view, what, what are those key fundamental pieces? I mean, the absolute be all and end all of it is your offer. Like no matter like you can't like no matter how much traffic you send to it, if you've got a crappy offer or something that nobody wants or you know, you need to spend some time doing market research. You need to spend some time researching competitors. Um there was a really good Humans of New York story actually where they were making dress shoes and it was kind of they were just kind of hitting brick wall after brick wall until eventually they went out, went into shoe stores, spoke to people, really did their research, figured out what people's biggest pain points with shoes were, and then they made this shoe and then their business exploded because they'd actually gone out and really talked to people. They'd done focus groups. They'd done a lot of market research. I think people, like the product development stage is so important and just figuring mm. out is this a thing that people actually need that's going to make their lives better? Is there a gap in the market for this? Can I add something to this conversation? Um, you know, not as, I mean, and obviously, you know, self-doubt can get in the way there, but just, yes, approaching it from a place of, is this offer viable? Yeah, it's validating the fantastic idea that you have. Pretty and much. it makes you feel painful and slow and boring to do yeah. that. Um, because people want to launch into the sh shiny, fun, pretty things like building a website, yeah. getting a brand design, mm -hmm. starting your social media, but it will save you, you know, potentially heartache and money and stress in the yeah. long run when you're doing that groundwork. Mm -hmm. um, and do you, yeah, I find that there there is a reluctance perhaps to to do that sort of validation process, yeah. like talking to your customers. I think people get scared about maybe rejection or the answers that they're going to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I, I think the earlier you do it, the better because then you have less attachment and you sort of maybe haven't got too much skin in the game just yet. Um, like for example, I've been thinking about starting my own e-commerce store just as a um, just as a, like a little thing on the side, just to kind of you know use to play with and test some strategies and yeah. kind of just as a you know another leg under my own table of life. 
Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, this has been something I've been sort of thinking about and tossing ideas around for probably a good year. I mean, and I am lucky enough to be in the position where, you know, my prime, this is not going to be my primary source of income. This is just a thing that I'm going to do just for funsies, really. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think you just, like, I've got a friend who's about to start a cosmetics line. And she, it's probably, I would say, probably been about a year to two years that she spent just doing research, figuring out, um, you know, what she could do to, to stand out in quite a saturated marketplace, figure out what she wants to offer. Um, you know, we had a really extensive conversation about whether she was going to use essential oils or fragrance oils and things like that. And I think people don't. Yeah, I think that work is just so important. You know, it's it's the it's sort of the foundation under the iceberg. You know, what you see with the brand and all the beautiful things is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more work that needs to be done before that. Yes, to make sure and that will be successful. That's right, because you will use those little nuggets of um, difference mm-hmm. in your marketing to stand oh, out. Oh, totally. What makes your skincare brand different? Like you said, there's a, there's a gazillion out there. Organic and natural isn't really going to cut it anymore. You know, what's that personal connection or what, what yeah, what's yeah. your spin on it? I mean, working in the eco-friendly space, I definitely see a lot of people who think that saying they're eco-friendly is enough. And they're like, oh, well, it's eco-friendly. People are going to buy it. And it's like, well, not really. Um, eco-friendly is something that a lot more people are moving towards. But ultimately, they want something that works. And they want something that's going to make their life better. They're not going to buy something just because it's environmentally friendly. You know, so that sort of mm-hmm. finding your hooks, finding it, figuring out how you can help people, how you can serve people, how you can make the world a better place through what you have to offer before you yes. sort of just launch all of the things. That's right. And and especially before you even touch Facebook ads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what, more. What kind of, what's working in Facebook ad land at the moment? What type of ads seem to be? Um, I mean, user-generated content is always a big winner. Um, I mean, I, I do have a few clients where sort of glossy studio photos are working quite well, but then um, for the majority of them, it's stuff that people have submitted to us through reviews or, you know, through the Facebook page or whatever that we've then turned into ads. Um, a lot of the time at the moment, I'm starting ads as posts on the Facebook page um, so that the person's warm audience will come in and leave comments about how much they love the product or whatever, ask some questions, just get some social proof on it before I launch it as an ad. Um, we will often also send that link out to the email list and just say, hey, we wrote a thing about this if you want to check it out, and that just drives some more people. We also put those links onto Pinterest. You can put posts from your Facebook and Instagram onto Pinterest to get more traffic to them, which is always good. Just creating a little That's ecosystem. Um, the other, more, I'm sorry, I was going to say, if I see an ad with like 200 comments on it, I'm always going to be clicking on those comments and to reading them. Comments. It definitely makes a big difference. Yeah. So speaking to that, my favorite retargeting strategy right now, and I do also do this on the page as an organic strategy, is I'll say, if someone hadn't tried or if someone wasn't sure about buying X, what would you tell them? Yes. Start it as a post on the page and then heaps of people will comment on it who are existing customers and they'll just be like, you know, I like this about it. I tell them not to hesitate I t- and you run that to people who visited the website but haven't bought. Mm. And I've found yeah, that overcoming that, objections. Yeah, I found that's done really, really good return on ad spend. It was uh, suggested by a guy called Dustin who's in my media buyers mastermind. He saw someone else doing it and thought it was really cool and I was like, okay, well, I'll give this a go. Um, and it's really, really successful. Even just as an organic post, it's really successful. So that's something I've been playing around with. Awesome. Yeah, I think I've seen that as like a video testimonial prompt. So mm-hmm. you are going to get video testimonials that you can use on your website or even in your ad strategy, get that person to talk about what they were hesitant about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, yes, like, um, I don't know what I'm trying to think of. Um, it was $200. So I was really worried that I was going to get my money, money's worth, but Mm -hmm. I've got X, Y, and Z value out of it. I've been using it for three years. So you'll get it overcoming those objections. Joe Blow out out in the world seeing the ad is going to be thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's something that's working really well at the moment. Um, What else? Um, I mean, this may change a little bit with iOS 14, but I am finding something called super lookalikes are working really well at the moment, which is where you stack lookalike audiences. So within one ad set, I'll have a lookalike of people who've added to cart, a lookalike of past purchases, a lookalike of the email list, and I'll put them all within one ad set. 
I'm finding mm-hmm. that that's working really, really well right now in terms of leveraging machine learning. So that's something else I've been working with a fair bit. I like it. That's some super nerdy advice right there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, something they've been doing at Smart Marketer and suggested to the people in team traffic. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give that a go. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been working quite well across all accounts. So I definitely recommend people have a play with that if they haven't already. Um, obviously, the quality of your lookalikes is going to depend on the quality of the source audience. So if you have only had a very limited amount of traffic to your website, this probably isn't going to work as well for you. But if you've been driving a reasonable amount of traffic for a while and you've had sort of a good, if you've been in the game for a while, then this is definitely something I'd, I'd have a play with. Awesome. And so one of the biggest questions I get is about DIY or outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when is the right time? How much do you need to know first? You know, should you upskill yourself first, do a little course in Facebook ads or what have you before you outsource, you mm-hmm. know, what, is, what would be your advice for someone in that situation? I definitely recommend having a go on your own first. Um, even if you only spend a small amount of budget, I definitely rec- – and I, and I know it can be – or it can feel frustrating um, when you're first learning, but I definitely – there's so many good resources out there that can help you out, and I just definitely recommend having a go and just, yeah, seeing what it's all about, seeing how different people respond to your ads, see what works for your business and what doesn't. I mean, you learn so much about how people think about your product and how people think about your brand just by running ads. Um, so I definitely recommend people have a go on their own. I would say the right time to outsource is when you're starting to make decisions about when you where you want to invest your energy in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I definitely wouldn't outsource if you were at a point of, I desperately need this to work. I need someone else to do this so it works. If some, if you were feeling like you were outsourcing from a place of fear or anxiety or desperation, don't do it. Basically, just if someone is coming at ads from a place of, I expect this to fix my business, that puts pressure on your ads person. It puts pressure on you. It creates a huge amount of tension in the relationship. So, um, when I got on the initial call with someone, if they're coming at it from that place, it's a no. It's like it's just pretty much an immediate yeah. no. Yeah, because there's lessons you need to learn the hard way yourself first. Yeah. I think it's like even if you're hiring a virtual assistant, um, you know, we can't expect anyone to be the fairy godmother in our business. No. We need to know what um, is happening, what's working, what's not. Mm-hmm. We need to know enough about it that we can manage it ourselves if everything yeah. goes, you know, belly up. And then being in a, the best place possible to bring someone in and work with them, yeah, you know, in in a in a good way. It should be from a place of, I I feel like my energy is better spent elsewhere in my business. I mean, I know ecom business owners who are running seven figure brands and they still do their own ads because they just love it, and because keeping that on their own plate makes their working day feel awesome. But if you're just mm. hating life, there's no point, you know. <coughs> there's no yeah. point in keeping. Yeah, and I. Sorry. Yeah, and there comes a time, um, especially. That's okay. When you're when you're going from traction to momentum to growth and scale, there comes a time as the business owner where you you have to stop doing everything. Oh, and I think there's you know, Facebook ads is if it's working then it's time to employ someone that can do it even better than you can do yeah. it. Yeah. And you can focus on other But also someone who has time to invest in upskilling, professional development, all that stuff. I mean, the amount of time I spend each week watching webinars, going to trainings, just trying to upskill. I mean, I feel like my clients, they don't just pay me to run the ads. They pay me to do all of that stuff and do all of that learning and start with all the updates so they don't have to invest that time. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, I think a lot of people outsource from a place of I'm not making any sales, I need to do Facebook ads. And inevitably what happens is either, well, I mean, a few things happen. Um, one is that they will go with someone cheap and, you yes. yeah, um, you know, anything with social and, you know, Google even too, um, you know, it's, it's like tattoos or wine, like you, you get what you pay for. You will occasionally find yeah, pretty much. You will occasionally find someone who's a unicorn and can do great work and they're not charging very much because, you know, they're just starting out or they don't recognize their own worth yet. But for the most part, cheap is not good. Um, mm. 
The other possibility is that it's just going to create a horrible situation where they're so panicked and they're putting so much pressure on this human that eventually it cracks and that's just never good either. Um, (coughs) Or the other thing that's going to end up happening is just they're going to end up wasting a lot of money because they don't, like, if that person is not making any sales, chances are ads aren't going to fix that problem. You'll get unscrupulous people who will be like, yes, I will take on this contract. Even though... It's pretty clear that the problem is not Facebook ads, and the ads are not going to fix the problem. You know, there's a lot of yes. um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of opportunity there for people to take advantage of people who they know it's not going to work, but they know the person is desperate, and therefore they will take their money. And it's yeah, it's something I really you know don't like. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't hit it out of the park a hundred percent of the time because I am human, and you know, everybody. No, I'm you know, not. pretty much. But um, you know, I will never take on a project unless I am fairly certain that I can make it. Or, you know, ninety nine point nine percent sure that I can make it work. And sometimes something will get in the way, and I won't. You know, and I always still, even now, take that very, very, very hard when things don't work. And I will always give it my best crack every single time. But yeah, like I won't take on a project unless I can see that there's good possibility that it's going to work. That's right. And, you know, what would be the advice for people who, because I see this a lot and I I know you would too, that they've been sold an advertising package, you know, three months, Mm -hmm. six months, whatever, and they've seen not a lot of return yet they're out of pocket for the media budget and the management fee. How could they avoid that? What are the things to look for? So one thing that I would always look for is, if somebody always has space for new clients, if someone is constantly commenting on every single post and group saying, hey, I do this, you should hire me, you have to question. I mean, it's possible they're just a big agency. That is possible. But for the most part, you got to like their churn rate is probably, yeah. is probably quite high. So I'd always be quite wary of that. Um personality I think people don't put enough stock into um every time that I've taken on a client without it feeling awesome in that initial conversation I have regretted it every totally um every time I was like oh but the project's really cool and I think this could work like but I haven't sort of felt that immediate kind of connection of you know that personality vibing I've always regretted it every time I've said yes without that there. So I definitely um, would look for somebody who you really connect well with, because if you're going to be trusting someone with your money, you want to feel good about it. And if you decide, like, I mean, there are some people out there who are very good at that initial sales conversation. Um, So, you know, you may feel the vibes, even though they're not really there. Um, Anyone who's decent is not going to get mad at you for taking some time to think about it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Or make you make a decision on the first phone call. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it's not about that. Everybody has to talk to their spouse Mm -hmm. or mull it over or compare it to other options and they have every right to do that. So, yeah, uh, if anyone's forcing you to close on the the first uh, phone call, Mm -hmm. maybe they're not the right. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then so I know a lot of people will go and look at social media people's personal profiles to try and assess whether they should work with them or not. And I always say it's like the builder whose house is always half finished. Um, I would actually be less inclined to trust someone who has a million years to spend on their own socials than someone who's you know, a desert because they're too busy doing client stuff. Um, and the best thing to do is, is say, hey, do you have an existing client who I could speak to or who I could get a reference from? Yeah, someone who, someone who they're working yeah. with. I mean, it's, it is possible to fake Google reviews. Um, you know, there's a strategy that's sort of running around at the moment where people will get reviews based on free consults, not people they actually worked with. Um, so they look like they have a lot of reviews when really if you look at the reviews, they're not from people who've actually worked with this person. They're people who've had like a 15-minute conversation and that's been very mm-hmm. inflated. Um, but, yeah, I would ask to speak. There's a couple of yeah. people lurking in some of the Facebook groups, isn't there? Yeah, but um, I would always ask to have a conversation with an actual client and just say, yeah. hey, what do you think? Yes. You know, or do you think this is yeah. right for me? Okay. And, you know, and, and anybody who's decent, again, won't have any issues with you asking questions. You know, they, they may not want to spend an hour on the phone with you essentially doing a free strategy session, 
but they should be open to you asking questions about what would you do if this isn't working or what steps do you typically take if things aren't looking how we want them to look. Um, the other thing I'd be quite wary of is big promises. Anyone who says, I guarantee we will get you this is usually like you can't anticipate the platform crashing. You can't anticipate, you know, if someone, um, you know, their supply chain gets interrupted or something like that. There's so many external factors which influence whether ads are working or not or whatever. So if someone says, yes, I guarantee I can get you insert amazing result here, probably haven't been doing this for very long. They, I mean, they should be able to give you a bit of an indication based on your data or based on what they're seeing of what they think you can expect. But anyone who is promising mm. you the absolute world is, yeah, yeah. it's probably. Especially without knowing we know too much about what's under the hood of your business. Yeah. You know, so, someone that you're on the phone with um, should be asking you a lot of questions. Yes, like, definitely. What's your average order value? Mm-hmm. What what kind of monthly traffic are you getting? How many orders do you you know have? Mm-hmm. You know, blah blah blah. Um, so if they're not asking you questions, yeah. then you may not care. You know, yeah, you're the right fit on. Yeah, so if they're like, yes, I think Facebook ads would be great for you, or yes, I think you know Google ads <laughs> would be great for you, without even having a look or even having any idea what you do. Um, then yeah, like, I mean, I feel like people should trust their intuition as a big thing. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Trust your gut. If it, something feels icky, it generally is. Uh, yeah. Now I've got some questions here from people in the e-commerce marketing society, Facebook okay. group. Let's try and smash through okay. them because I'm sure you've got lots of things to do. So Laura from EcoPatch asked, is retargeting still a thing with the Apple changes and is it better to build a new audience? Um, retargeting is still definitely going to be a thing. Um, it's not going to completely go away. However, we are going to see some of those custom audiences get smaller. Um, I would definitely encourage people if they're not doing like, I Like I'm madly in love with Clavio. Like I think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, I think email marketing is so underrated. Um, so I would definitely recommend that people look at other means of building warm audiences. They could look at things like mini chat, um, you know, for engaging with people via messenger. And definitely I would look at email marketing. You will still be able to build retargeting audiences. They may just be a little bit smaller. Um, you still, um, you should also still be able to build audiences within Facebook. So video views, audiences, engagement audiences, things like that. Um, like there will be some impact. Um, and so I would definitely spend a little bit of time focusing on uh, on building other um, other retargeting audiences. It's not going to completely go away, but I would just be shoring that up in other ways if you can. Okay, awesome. Um, Catherine from Mama Nurture has asked, what type of content will stop the scroll? But we've already covered that one, which is good. And Claire from Mama Care Kit, lots of mummy mm-hmm. businesses, asked, how do I measure return on investment? Um, I will just say with the um, scroll-stopping content, um, it is completely dependent on your business and completely dependent on your target market. I will always test a whole lot of things first. I'll use long-form copy, short-form copy. I'll try humor. I'll try a whole bunch of different things, different kinds of images. Um you know, I've got clients where their audiences love video and audiences where like, you know, clients where their audiences just don't want to know, like they just want images. They just like slideshows, carousels, whatever. So um, what is scroll stopping for your audience is not like, I would just say, know your audience, know your people, look at your data. And that's going to tell you what's going to help you, you know, get people engaged and get people interested. Um, Test a whole lot of different stuff first and just yeah, be willing to devote some budget and some time to testing and just seeing what works for you. Um, but then in terms of what was the next question? Sorry, it's just falling out of my brain. How do I measure return on investment with ad spend? Um, yeah, Facebook ads. So measuring return on investment, again, you kind of want to ag- aggregate that data if you can. So within Facebook, you, um, so UTM is basically, this is a very janky explanation, but it's a little bit of code that you add to the end of a URL, which is then going to tell you in Google Analytics where exactly that purchase came from. So it's just a, it just helps you with purchase attribution, knowing where traffic is coming from and going. So <clears throat> I would definitely add that to your Facebook ads. If you haven't, you can add that at the ad level mm-hmm. to just shore that up as well. I would be looking at your data in Google Analytics. I'd be looking at what you've got on Facebook and kind of just bringing that all together mm-hmm. and just 
yeah, yeah, just sort of figuring out where exactly, I mean, attribution is never going to be perfect. Like, you know, it's sort of <clears throat> like the examples we gave before, you, you can't know that someone saw your Facebook ad and then never did anything about it. And then a week later, they get reminded of it by a friend or something. But to, to get as close to accurate as you possibly can, I'd be taking the data from the ads manager. I'd be taking data from Google Analytics. I'd be taking data from Shopify Analytics and all the other sources that we've got, Klaviyo, um, and just pulling that all together to get a big picture of, you know, what your internal investment is. Yeah. And, yeah, what's the best sales channel driver that you've got? Yeah. Um, Okay, so Nicole has asked, can I get a simple explanation of what the Facebook pixel is? It's basically just a bit of code that you install on your website that sends data back to Facebook about what people are doing on there. That's pretty pretty much it. That's it. And it's actually really easy to do um, DIY. So just follow this, the prompts and take the steps yeah. and, and away There's you go. There's a few new things people are going to have to do with events, um, configuring events with the iOS 14 changes. But um, again, I'll give you links to those blog posts that John wrote because he's like the analytics wizard and he knows all of the things. Um, so if you ever you know, have data and analytics questions, he's definitely the guy to go to. I mean, I think... Um, you know, I've been doing this for seven years now, but I still have my go-to experts who, you know, who I listen to and who I get advice from and who I, you know, I'll, I mean, some of what they say I'll take or leave and, you know, sort of build my own approach to doing things. But yeah, I definitely have people who, who I draw a lot of information, a lot of inspiration from. And John is, I mean, I've always been a very, very strong copywriter and always been very good at ad creative and I data and analytics was something I was never as strong at until I sort of started learning from John. He's, he's amazing. Like he's just makes it all very, very easy to understand. So, um, yeah. Awesome. So I definitely would drive people there to look at that, uh, to look at all of that and look at configuring events and things like that with all of these changes and updates. Fantastic. And if someone wants to work with you, a brand that is aligned to the type of, you know, um, yeah, brands that you work with, how can they work with you? Um, so I am in the Train My Traffic Person program as the community manager. If people want to learn to DIY, I can give you a link for that to put in the show notes or wherever you put the things. Um, or if they want to work with me one-on-one and have me run their ads, it's joe at the adnomad.com as me because I used to be a digital nomad running Facebook ads. So, you know, you did. I did back in the day before <laughs> babies appeared and all the things. Yes. Feels like yesterday when you're at Nomad yeah. traveling the world. Yeah. And yeah, no more planes. And they can also get in, see and, you know, experience your wealth of knowledge on Facebook groups as well. Yeah, so just search my you, name. You're not I'm a member around. of Facebook. Yeah. You are. You're all over. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and all your wisdom and knowledge around Facebook ads and just e-com in general. So thank you. No worries at all. And it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for joining us this week on the e-commerce marketing society podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future apps. If you found value in today, I would be forever grateful for a rating on iTunes, or if you just tell your biz friends about the podcast, that would be great too. If you'd like to learn more about me and my one-on-one six month coaching program strategy to sales, head over to my website, www.lisaburn.com.au and be sure to tune in next week for more marketing goodness with lots of love and lots of sales. I'll see you next week.